Good morning. It's Wednesday, February 1st. Decorating with candy day. No, no. I, I mean, it is. But it's also the first day of Black History Month, as well as the day that Lincoln signed the 13th Amendment. The 13th Amendment was passed after the end of the Civil War and abolished slavery with a single sentence. Quote, Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. A powerful, nation-changing sentence. As I often do, though, today is a great day to direct you to six words within that sentence. Quote, except as punishment for crime. Nineteen states still have slavery as punishment for crime written into their state's constitution. And obviously, through the 13th, we have it in our national constitution. Except as a punishment for crime. So let's talk about prison stats through the Prison Policy Initiative, which uses the 2016 Survey of Prison Inmates data through the Bureau of Justice to break it all down. First of all, while they make up 62% of the national population, white people only make up 32% of the prison population. Black people make up 12% of the national population and 34% of the prison population. Those two groups have the largest margin of difference between national population and prison population. Also, only white and Asian folks are underrepresented in prison population. Every other group is overrepresented, with Black Americans seeing the largest difference in representation. And none of this happens in a bubble, right? Because we've got wage disparity and redlining and folks with a Black-sounding name still getting called 10% less often for a job than a person with a white-sounding name. Every single part of this is a bigger picture of inequality that this country has built itself on since 1619 and before that even. And we have seen progress, but we're talking about 404 years versus 58 years since the Voting Rights Act passed, which has seen significant eroding since white senators saw a black man elected president and decided they wanted to do everything they could in their power to prevent the progress that they were seeing. And so even though the VRA was reaffirmed in 2006, 2013's Shelby County v. Holder case began the breakdown of the Voting Rights Act and let states disenfranchise voters all over again, just because they wanted to, just because study after study shows that all these laws disenfranchise non-white voters at higher rates than white voters. Also, study after study shows that fraud by voters has never affected the outcome of any election, so it's a solution in search of a problem. It's all tied together. I put a link in show notes about all of this because besides voting, rethinking our abhorrent prison system is the thing I think about the most. Please take some time today and read over the stats. There's just not enough time in this episode for me to read all of them, even though I really wish I could and, and really hope that you will do this. Read those stats and ask yourself, how big of a part do those six words in the 13th Amendment play in the way that our prison system was designed. And now, the news. Actually, you know what? Change of plans. Um, because I started to write about George Santos and his committees and a few other things that I'll talk about tomorrow. But as I was writing them, I realized that, no, what I think I would rather do today is talk more about what I was going into in the beginning of this episode. So this is a real unplanned change. I'm not going to do the news at all today. 
Instead, I'm going to ask you to go back to the beginning and really take some time today to consider the part that, except as punishment for crime, plays in our prison and policing system. Well, hey, Kim, we've always had prisons. Sure, but also, before slavery, there kind of was no prison system here in the States, not to the extent that we know it now. Because while the model was created in 1817, it really didn't take hold in the States until after the Civil War. So April 8th, 1865, the Civil War ends, and in theory, so does slavery. Except it takes until June 19th, when around 2,000 Union troops arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas, and were very surprised to see 250,000 enslaved Black people there. They read the Emancipation Proclamation, and thus a quarter million Black people who were free, but their enslavers never told them, or allowed them access to the information, or education to read the information, were actually freed. Reconstruction followed from 1865 to 1877, during which 1,500 Black Americans were voted into different political offices in the country. 1865 and 1866 also saw the implementation of the Black Codes, which were a wide variety of laws that were specifically meant to punish Black Americans. Those laws had way less scrutiny than any other laws, so much so, in fact, that to this day, historians are still unable to understand the full scope of them. But we do know this. They were meant specifically to ensure that free Black Americans would still be forced into slavery by those six words except as a punishment for crime. As I mentioned, Reconstruction followed from 1865 to 1877. So naturally, in 1877, after the Black Codes were deemed unconstitutional, we see the beginning of Jim Crow laws and poll taxes and literacy tests. Again, all specifically designed to keep Black Americans, although really anyone except for non-poor white people were treated to these laws, from casting a ballot. And sure, by 1965, the Jim Crow laws were technically off the books, but really just in name only. Because Tyree Nichols was killed last month. And while we know what happened after police approached him, we still don't know why he was pulled over to begin with. I have this thing I like to say. In, in moments like this, everyone wants to say, oh, the system is broken. Gotta fix the system. System is broken. Uh, system is not broken. It's working. It's working exactly as designed. What we need is a new better system. So today, 158 years after the 13th Amendment was passed, really ask yourself, what would a new system look like? And what can we do now to work towards that better system? That's it. That's the news. I'm proud of every single person who doesn't need to be reminded that Black Lives Matter, who says it with their chest and with their actions, who looks at the brand saying BLM this month and asks, what does your board look like? What do your hiring practices look like? Can you show proof of pay equity? Who knows that this is about more than a month, but it is also a very important month. And so if you're here, if you've made it to the end of this episode, I have to assume you feel the same way. And so given all of that, how could I ever be anything other than proud of you? <laughs>